and welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host at Colby R. Conway, and I am glad to say as much as I enjoy talking with uh, James Grande, the self-proclaimed underscore king, as he likes to say with all the underscores in his Twitter handle. Um, after I had a vacation, it was Matt's turn for a vacation, but at the salesman on Twitter, at the salesman in real life, has returned from vacation, ready to talk some shop, and Last week, it was a bit dull, so James and I kind of talked about some other stuff, but this week, we are not short of news updates. So, uh, Matt, we're going to jump right into it, but first, I got to ask, how was vacation, and how is everything going for you? Uh, vacation was pretty good, thanks for asking. Um, not necessarily as fully relaxing as uh, I anticipated, thanks to a lot of the uh, injuries that we've yeah, you know, that we'll be touching on because I also have um, I'm prepping for my home league's baseball draft uh, coming up a week from Saturday, and I'm not going to be there, so I have to get my proxy ready, which takes even more work than if I was going. So it wasn't quite as uh, relaxing as I was hoping, but you know, overall, a break from work, I didn't really have to do anything, so that was that was nice. Um, but yeah, I was. Uh, your past week there, Cole, because we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, you and I. Yeah, it's been everything's been fine over here, just hanging out and you know, just seeing the news coming out, watching the spring training standings, not seeing Pittsburgh move up at all, but seeing some cool, you know, you know, with uh, Cabrian Hayes hitting some home runs, locking the ball, excited there, uh, and just a lot of content coming out here at Fantasy Alarm. So, of course, let me start with this Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is free. Make sure you get. Um, your access to all of the great content that is in there uh, from the free agent tracker to positional spotlights to strategies based on leagues. All of it is in there. So get your free copy of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. So, Matt, let's kind of get into it. Let's talk with the World Baseball Classic and injuries. That seems to have taken Twitter by storm. I will admit it. I do like KFC from Barstool. Um, I do enjoy some of the stuff that he puts out there. Uh, his take on the World Baseball Classic was interesting, um, saying that it was meaningless and there was injuries. I do believe he's a Mets fan, so he could also be a little bit jaded based on the whole thing. So before same we talk about Olbermann. you, what I said, same with Keith Olbermann. If yeah. you saw that, tweet. maybe not quite to that extent, but yeah, that was that, that was, was insane. Was that was that was way 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 farther than um, where it needed to go. So let me start with this. All right, so because Edwin Diaz got hurt in the world baseball classic. Does it suck? Yes. I understand he's probably not going to be dogpiling or celebrating in a spring training game, but that injury could happen at any point. Like we've seen it throughout the season and in previous seasons, like whether you're at the world baseball classic, whether you're at spring training, whether you're at home in your own freaking house, you can get hurt. You know, you and I can get hurt sitting here. Who's to say that this nice little microphone I have doesn't lean over, falls right on my toe? I have a broken toe. Whether I'm doing this, whether I'm doing this podcast from a coffee shop, from my house, from your house, or if I'm sitting outside in the middle of the street, I can get hurt. They can get hurt. So the whole of like, we got to cancel the WBC because these players get hurt in a quote unquote meaningless game. All you have to do, watch a game, you can tell it is not meaningless to them. Right, like a couple things. One, where was the outcry for canceling spring training when Gavin Lux tore his ACL? Mm -hmm. Right, like it happens. There's dudes every year that go down with injuries in spring training. Does it suck? Yes. 
is it a necessity, a part of the game, to get ready to play the season? Yes. The WBC happens once every four years. It's not an every year thing. It's like once every four years. And to your point, Trey Turner, who played in a road Game 7 World Series game that was a heated series and very back and forth, one of the weirder World Series we've seen maybe ever, said that the game against, not not the semifinal game, the quarter final was at Venezuela, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he said that was the loudest atmosphere he's ever been a part of as a baseball player, ever, in any situation. So it's clearly not meaningless. And to your point about Edwin Diaz, A, he didn't get hurt pitching. He got hurt celebrating. Okay? That's two different things, right? Secondly, what's the difference between, let's say, that Edwin Diaz makes it out of the WBC just fine, comes to spring training, the mound is a little different, he steps funny and tears the patellar tendon in spring training. Are Mets fans claiming we should cancel spring training? What happens if Edwin Diaz tears his patellar tendon in the very first game of the year? Should we cancel the season because Mets fans' closer got hurt? I mean, Nimmo got hurt, and I don't think there was all that much discourse about canceling spring training. Exactly. Uh, Mariano Rivera tore his ACL one year shagging fly balls pregame very early in the season in Kansas City, if if I'm not mistaken. And batting practice hasn't been canceled. And that wasn't get, now they stopped him from tweeting when he came back, but right. we didn't cancel batting practice because the Yankees Hall of Fame closer got hurt. Like, does it suck that your guy got injured? Yes. Yes, it does. But the next guy we talk about, there were two dudes injured on the same day, one in the WBC, one in spring training, but basically the same thing happening. And everybody's clamoring about the WBC one and nobody's talking about the spring training one. Yep, absolutely. So before we go on to that next, let me just ask you this, because from the fantasy perspective, we have to cover it here with the Mets. That's who I drafted. I know a lot of people are going to look to David, uh, David Robertson, but I, I was in a league uh, shortly. Well, maybe not shortly after about half a round, maybe, but all the Mets relievers were available to me. And I chose Ottavino above any of them. Yep. Let me put it this way. Joe Girardi, who was Dave Robertson's former manager in New York, didn't even trust Robertson to close games for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I'm not trusting Robertson. I'm trusting Adovino, who throws Frisbees. Give me the give me that, that Frisbee slider. I'm going to roll with Adovino there. So, yep. Uh, listen. And by the way, who's to say they don't go out and go get David Bednar at some point? Uh, I mean... I mean, I'll, I mean, let me just, I think, what, Alvarez, they have Mauricio, right? Yes, who is blocked now for, like, eternity. Okay, so what about Alvarez? I mean, where are you going to play? I mean, unless you move Mauricio to third base, where are you playing him? I mean, I'm just putting out a hypothetical of, like, what about Alvarez and Mauricio for Bednar? Who That's says no? Lot. Who I, I'm not saying no. Well, Pittsburgh wouldn't, of course. You're getting two top flight prospects, but the Mets, I'm, if I'm the Mets, I'm not offering both. No, for sure. That won't happen. I right? would offer maybe Vientos and one of those guys. 
hey, I would take one of those guys for Bednar, to be honest. But or I would just go with I would start with one of those guys and see if it gets you Bednar. Nah, give them both to Pittsburgh. We need them. That's what I would say. Give us both. Well, it can't hurt. Um, yeah. So hand injuries suck. Hand, yes. wrist, oblique. Those are I always kind of call it like the equivalent to like the forearm for a pitcher in terms like for in terms of a hitter. It's just they just can wreak havoc. And now Altuve is out. Uh, I believe there's no timetable. It's broken thumb, right? Yes, it's a fractured thumb. Fractured an MRI thumb. and an X-ray confirmed it. Um, their GM, Houston's GM, uh, as of I believe Monday morning, which is when we're we're recording this about uh, one Eastern uh, Monday for a timetable. So Monday morning, March 20th, uh, the Houston GM said that there's no timetable, but he will require surgery. Um, so they just basically have to get him into surgery and then see what happens after that. And here's what I'm going to say too. After the injury happened, I put out, a, I tweeted it on whatever day that was now at this point. Um, here's the, here's going to be the big thing. Whatever they come out with the timetable, I don't know, let's say eight weeks. That might be a little bit optimistic, knowing how how important a thumb is to a hitter. You know, because obviously you have to, I don't know, grip the bat. But yeah, being cleared to play is vastly different than one hundred percent healthy. Correct. Once Altuve comes back, those first couple weeks, we're probably going to see a little bit of reduced exit velocity. There's going to be some, his batted ball profile is going to be slightly different because it's going to be an adjustment and that thumb has got to get back to strength. I, I dislocated my thumb in college and coming back, going through the rehab and everything back when they said I was good to go to swing, to catch and do everything. There was still about another two to three weeks until the thumb felt close to fully healthy. It is an adjustment. When he swings that was first couple times, God forbid he gets jammed or takes one off the end of the back, that expletive hurts coming back, just to yeah. say the least. So again, being cleared to play is different than 100% healthy. So whatever they say his timetable is going to be, he's going to need a few weeks of leeway because a thumb is pivotal to the, to the offensive game for a hitter. Correct. Um, so... I don't know. I've seen eight to 10 weeks floating around there for a while. Um, but if he hasn't undergone surgery yet, I'm not sure how we can really like, I don't know if surgery changes that timeline um, or not, because obviously now you have the scar has to heal and then like the, the actual bone and whatever has to, has to heal. So um, we'll he's, see. He's going to move mean, down draft boards. You're going to have to. He's oh, going to have Yeah, to I mean, if we're talking, let's say, 10 weeks, right, from today, we've got, what, about a week and a half at this point until opening day? Mm -hmm. So if you figure 10 weeks includes that, then you're talking he's going to miss basically eight and a half weeks of the season, which puts him back at, what, the beginning of June? Around there. At best? Throw, throw two weeks in there, give or take, for the 100% healthy and any wiggle room. We're talking mid to end June. Yeah, we're talking mid-June. So you're missing more than a third of the season of Altuve. So any, like, shot at a 2020 year that you thought you were getting from him is likely to – like, he would have to come back and just absolutely smoke the bejesus out of baseballs. Um, and that won't happen. And that 
that won't happen. Not to mention there's no guarantee that the thumb doesn't, like, that he's tentative for the first while when he's back and mm -hmm. not hitting for power, right? Mm -hmm. So... Well, what if what if they ease up him on the base pass? God forbid he jams it sliding into a base. Like I understand they have the hand gloves and stuff for protection, but like I hate I hate to equate it to the NBA, but like there are certain players in the NBA that they're just trying to get them to the postseason. They want them ready for that. Who's to oh, say right. Houston's yeah, not a good enough spot? Like, hey, Altuve, we're gonna win a hundred games this year, whether you steal thirty or ten bases. We're still gonna win a hundred games, probably. So right, like. Who's to say they don't maybe play it a bit easier? He, I mean, he's not getting any younger. I know this is a freak injury, so this is not a soft tissue thing. It's, this is not Father Time is beating Altuve. This is a freak thing, just for the record. Yeah. But let me ask you this then. I mean, we kind of talked about Altuve a little bit, but it seems like the the easy replacement looks like they might go with uh, David Hensley. Any interest in deeper formats? I mean, last year at AAA, 10 homers, 20 stolen bases with a 420 OBP. 17% walk rate last year. Any interest in Hensley? I mean, obviously in AL only formats, um, a starter with a pulse is someone that has to be owned. Um, but what about like deeper mixed formats for the beginning of the year? Can we can we uh, squeeze any fantasy value out of Hensley, who's going to be the presumed starter for them now at the Keystone? Yeah, I, th I think he's interesting. Look, he's a late round guy. When I mean late round, we're talking like last five rounds of a draft, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're waiting that long on starting second base you've gone astray somewhere else in your draft um so look the the offense is gonna put up runs is he gonna hit with the big bats no he's not gonna hit in the same spot that jose altuve would for obvious reasons but if we're looking at roster resource right now they have david hensley hitting sixth in front of Chaz mccormick jake myers and multi uh, martin maldonado it's not Look, I know we dogged on the bottom or the bottom third of the Astros lineup a couple of pods ago, but those guys will still put up runs. Two of the three of them are projected for twelve to fifteen homers. Mm -hmm. So, is he a is Hensley like the next coming of Jeremy Pena, who was phenomenal? No, but is he a serviceable second baseman for a good offense? Yes. And now when you look at roster resource, I believe last time we looked at this, Tucker was not hitting second, nor was Pena up at first. I know we talked about Dusty Baker is more or less yes. ageist and will prefer right. Michael Brantley there. But until Brantley's back, are we going to get what we wanted? Or should I say, am I going to get what I wanted with Tucker hitting second at least to begin the year? Or at least we have a shot at it, depending on Brantley's status. I don't see how you don't. Like Agreed. You have to, right? That's the only logical spot for Tucker in this lineup. Well, and they're so right. I mean, even with Altuve, they're right-handed heavy. So, like, you got to get, you got to have, you got to have a lefty up there. And it's right. It's Jordan and Tucker are the only two lefties in that lineup, and Jordan's already dealing with a hand thing. So Tucker's the only healthy lefty in that lineup at this point. You have to put him up there to cause problems at the beginning of games. Yep, absolutely. And then another another freak issue that popped up, um, Nolan Arenado took one, uh, WBC took one off the hand. It seems like the x-rays came back negative. I saw that, I believe. Um, what's your concern with Arenado? It seems like, at least for me, I think I'm still in a waiting game, kind of see how it all plays out. You know, it doesn't seem to be as bad as Altuve's, but you never really know until you know. So uh, how are you approaching the Arenado hit-by-pitch situation right now? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. I certainly want to see him on the field um, and playing, you know, consecutive games um, before before I really have confidence in, in drafting him. Because um, it's possible, you know, sometimes these x-rays show up negative, but if you get it taken right after it happens, there's a chance that the swelling actually blocks what's going on. Like, for example, when I tore my ACL in college playing pickup basketball, they had to wait, like, I don't know, almost a week to do the MRI because the swelling was so bad that it would have blocked any useful information we would have gotten from it. So if that's the case, then perhaps we have to wait and find out and maybe he'll go for another one or um, or why not. So I'm, I'm waiting. The fact that the initial x-rays came back negative and the initial ones on Altuve showed a break is encouraging for Arenado. Um, I, I also don't think, like, even if it's super sore, I don't think he misses, the you know, many more than maybe the first couple of games of the season. So I'm not that concerned. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, I believe it was a knee issue sliding in. Apparently it sounds like they don't think he'll even miss a single game, at least regular season as far as um, from what I'm seeing. Any concern with Nimmo in this issue? I mean, other than the fact that we're not talking about it all because it only happened in spring training and not the WBC? Um, No. I mean, the fact that the Mets medical staff doesn't think it's an issue, I don't know if that's a bonus or not, um, given their history on injuries. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not that concerned. But Nimmo is also a guy that I'm kind of iffy on drafting anyway, as we've mm -hmm. talked about before, because it's not like he uses his speed to steal, and he's not going to hit all that many homers. So he's basically an on-base guy and a runs guy. So that, that knocks him down my draft board a little bit. I'm not concerned about the injury. And then last but not least, there's uh, some guy in San Diego, um, Juan Soto. Never heard of him. But mild oblique strain. Uh, we talked about earlier. Don't like obliques. How should we approach um, Soto if, if we're drafting soon? Like I have a draft tomorrow night, but. Soto's kept, so he's kind of irrelevant. But maybe there are keeper decisions coming up or home league drafts maybe this weekend and such. Or do we just have to take the wait-and-see approach with Soto? Because, I mean, obviously, we're not going to get a chance to test out his oblique, nor would he want us to test out his oblique because I wouldn't even know what to look for. But is it same type thing, wait-and-see approach with Soto as well? Yeah, I mean, the fact that they said it's a mild oblique strain, but then he's day-to-day -day is kind of conflicting to me because usually an oblique strain is something that's going to keep you out for, I don't know, at least a week, right? They also tend to linger, which is the more concerning thing to me, is it like if they get him back on the field to start the year because San Diego needs to get off to a hot start to challenge the Dodgers, right, that maybe it crops up later in the year and causes – more issues so i'm not like i'm not saying you don't take soto in the first round i'm just saying you take it knowing that there may be you know some off days coming to have them uh rest by the way you know apparently also got a bruised rib in the uh the, the wbc i believe it was a concussion too well so Did that not happen they said he had a concussion 
But then Bob Nightingale, take this for what it's worth because it's Bob Nightingale, tweeted that Moncada was cleared after being treated for a possible oh. concussion. So oh, okay. I, I see that too. Um, but the bruised rib is what they're going with, um, which is there's nothing they're going to do for it. It's just pain management at that point, right? Take some ibuprofen and get back out there. Um, I mean, you know the saying, ibuprofen, I'd be playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there, there's that. It's a minor thing, but it is Yohan Moncada, and those things tend to creep up on him. So Soto, I'm not all that concerned. I mean, my concern is for later in the season. Yep. Is that yep. how you read it too? Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think I'd almost be at the point of like, hey, if they're going to come out and just put him on the IL to begin the year, I'd almost rather take the the week and a half off now let it be a hundred percent because the obliques, they seem to just, they can pop back up yep. and you cannot rush the oblique too soon. And I would rather, you know, if say just to make things easy, if I don't get Juan Soto until April 10th, but I get him the whole rest of the way from there, I'm fine with that. Yeah. No need to rush him out there for April 3rd for me to have him till April 10th. And now he's got to miss three weeks because it's back and worse. And now you have to let him get a hundred percent healthy. So take, take it in stride now, just, if he, if he begins the year on the IL, but as long as they remain that they're not overly concerned about it, I'm not overly overly concerned about it. Hell, maybe in your league, maybe you'll get the dip and maybe you'll get Soto back into the first, maybe even late second if other people are afraid. So could create a nice little buying opportunity depending on what we hear. Yeah. So some other news and notes from around spring training, mostly, you know, this is kind of mostly spring training, I guess. So uh, as you all are listening to this, the positional spotlight uh, for the catcher position came out yesterday, uh, Monday, March 20th, talking about Will Smith. And it's kind of the the Dodgers Will Smith, not the actor Will Smith, just to just to confirm that. There. Or the reliever uh, Will Smith. Or the reliever Will Smith, yeah. So we're talking about the catcher in Los Angeles. Kind of, uh, I was excited and then a little bit less excited. So I'm curious to hear what, what you think here. Um, Will Smith spent the majority of the year hitting fourth last year. Dave Roberts has basically more or less confirmed that Will Smith is going to hit third. But there was also a report back near the end of February that Roberts basically said that Smith's probably not going to DH as much as he did last year, which because they signed J.D. Martinez, who if he plays the outfield, he will break into pieces. Um, I think he's played like 45 games in the outfield over the past three seasons combined. Um, so if Smith's going to lose out on some DH at bats, are they just going to run him into the ground catching? Is he just not going to play? Is he going to be limited to pinch hits? Basically, he's not He's not going to have zero at-bats as a DH. There's so many things that could happen that could cause him to be a DH, and maybe Martinez does sneak into the outfield on occasion. Um, to me, Will Smith is still, at best, the third-ranked catcher, at worst, the fifth-ranked catcher for me. So he's very high, very high floor. I just don't know. I like him hitting third with Betts and Freeman ahead of him. I don't know if I like him losing out DH at bats because if I'm drafting Smith that high, I want as many at bats as possible. Now he's shown in 120 games, he can be dominant, but I would like to him to be there and not be a guy that I draft and he only plays in like 110 games or so. Yeah. I'm not sure that I'm that concerned about him losing DH at bats. I'm not like, I don't have the number off the top of my head, with how many games he played or how many um, at-bats he registered. He had 91 at-bats last year as a DH. So and it's not a ton, but they already said that he's not going to DH that much again. Now, again, if J.D. Martinez gets injured, it's a different story. But 
Right, but it also could be that he played 137 games last year and they just don't want him up like quite that quite that high. Like if they're trying to get him a little bit more off days, then you don't DH him. He still plays catcher as often as he did and then they're in the sweet spot and you're still getting a a dominant bat hitting third in a very good lineup. Yeah. So it's just, they can't they cannot catch him 130 games. Well, I also think that they're probably also looking at the fact that he's hitting third this year as opposed to fourth and realizing that you get a smidge more at bats per game hitting third than fourth. So if he plays right. the same amount, he'd go up in at bats. Right. So and you got to keep Austin Barnes fresh because Austin Barnes is a pretty good catcher in his own right. And J.D. Martinez, you didn't assign him to put him on the bench. Um, so, But you can't play him in the field too much, or like I said, he'll crumble. You no, know, but that's why you have Will Smith not playing as many you know, games at DH. I'm fine with that. I'm not, I'm, I don't think that they're saying Will Smith is now only going to catch three games a week as opposed to five. Like, I think right. he's still going to catch – the four or five games a week, he's just going to get an extra off day thrown in so that he's not worn down. And he still is good for the long haul as, you know, they want him to be yeah. without, you know, killing him in the process. Because if you look at his second half last year, he hit only 246 compared to 272 mm -hmm. in the first half. So the at-bats you know, took a toll, and it was 238 in September, by the way. His last 105 at-bats of the year, he hit 238. There was a big shift, too. They started pounding him with breaking stuff out of the zone. And, like, it's, right. you know, when you're writing articles and you're researching and you're coming up with narratives or a reason to explain something, when you happen to see, like, oh, as a, a perfect trend of, like, well, as the months went on last year, his batting average went down, pitches out of the zone went up, swings out of the zone went up, swings and misses out of the zone went up, and you get that perfect harmonious little uh, nugget that you need to craft your narrative based on the story or whatever. That was basically what happened to Will Smith. They just punished him with breaking stuff out of the zone. He swung right. more, he swung and missed more. Yeah, and it's not a perfect fit for the narrative because if you look at May, he hit 217 in 83 right. events in May, and then 295 the next month, and then 270 and 281 to there. So he was all over the place, but in general, the second half, when being a catcher does get tiring, he hit 246. So there's a few different things going on that they figured out his weaknesses, and perhaps they don't want him doing that again. That like he feels like he has to press late in the year. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm sure like Dave Roberts is the king of trying to keep everybody fresh. Yep. And well, they're playing for that, October. That's what this that's that's what this smells of. Are you do you agree with me? Will Smith at best third rank catcher at worst about catcher five. Yeah, because he doesn't steal, so you can't put him up with Varsho and Real Muto. So I yeah. think you can go with him at three. If you want to go Rutschman ahead of Smith, I'm I'm I get it. I'm with you there. You can sell me on that. And then fifth, I'm I'm more down on Salvador Perez than others. So that's why I, think I would put Will Smith ahead of of. Salvador. I would too. I I, I can't put Smith below five. I think Smith to me is third or fourth. Yeah. I could be sold either way on the Rutschman argument. 
I would probably put Rutschman ahead of him just because what we saw Rutschman do in part of a season last year was phenomenal. And now you can argue that the lineup is even better this year and is arguably toe-to-toe with the Dodgers, given what the Dodgers lineup currently looks like. Like, a lot of people are going to have a problem with my statement on that, but can you honestly tell me that the Dodgers offense isn't markedly better than what the O's are going to roll out there? Yeah, he's – I in the top five catcher rankings in the draft guide, I'd have Rushman third, Will Smith fourth. I would – I would that, – that's – yeah. I would um, Rushman third, yeah, Will Smith fourth. That's fine. So, I I'll be I'm gonna I'm a preface this. I love this guy. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Shintaro Fujinami might have a nine walk per nine and a nine K per nine. Yeah, this year because he is currently sporting that right now. In he's made four starts in spring. He's three and zero oh for the record, but he's got thirteen walks, seventeen strikeouts. He is a he has a the fact that he only, he has a 1.5 whip despite only allowing seven hits is just baffling given that walk rate. He does have 17 strikeouts though, but the walks are a major problem right now. Yeah, it's going to be like um that scene from Bull Durham where they're talking about Nuke Lelouch who had five strikeouts, five walks, five hit by pitches, hit the mascot twice <laughs> and somehow still won the game, right? That's what we're going to see. It's not like he's getting a whole lot of help from that offense either. I mean, let's face it, Oakland sucks. Um, but he does get a boost when they go when they go back home. Some of those foul balls that don't do anything in spring training are actually going to get caught in the Coliseum because there's like 97 miles of foul territory there. Um, he's going to be exciting to watch for – all of those reasons. Is he going to walk a guy? Is he going to strike him out? Is he going to hit him? Is he going to give up a hit? What's happening here? Um, He's technically the ace of Oakland for whatever the heck you want to take that for. I don't know. Where where are you drafting him or are you drafting him? Oh, absolutely. I'm drafting him. Why not? This guy's guy's riveting content. Like, (laughs) I mean... I, I already have it. I already have it textbook for whenever he makes his first start in the year on Prize Picks and Underdog. I'm taking the over on his walks, whatever it is. It's just yeah, over. By the way, uh, the projections over on Fangraphs—they have a bunch of them. You know, zips, the bat, ATC, whatnot. They are all over the place on them. They have them between five and eleven wins. They have them between ninety-two and a third and hundred and sixty-six innings. Uh, they have the highest K per nine they have is 8.97, which is almost 9K per nine. And then they have him between 4.26 and 5.17 walks per nine. Uh, and then the ERA is anywhere from 3.7 all the way up to five flat. Yep. So, I mean, nobody seems to know what to do with with, with him. You know, we and we've talked about it later on in drafts. You just need a reason to draft somebody right now. Yeah, since March 1st, he's going pick on average 487. So we're talking after after the 450. Why not wins? Yeah, you may not get many of them. No, now whip. He he could, he could, (laughs) he's gonna single handedly blow up your whip. 
Yeah, he really could. Now, the only thing is it's like he could also get – he. it's very reasonable that he can go out there on his opening start go about four and a third with four walks and ten strikeouts. That could happen. The strikeouts are going to be very good, but that he's going to be a liability in whip. So I think you almost have to kind of look at your league settings, and if it's – maybe if whip's not involved, maybe you can get away with it. The, he's got to harness the command. If he can harness the command – He's going to blow out this 487 ADP that he currently has because yep. the strikeouts alone are going to cut that in half. Now the other stuff is going to be a problem. But yeah, well, you're not drafting any Oakland starters for wins this year. Like you're just no. crossing that off the board if you're going with an Oakland starter. Because I mean, and Fujinami, you can basically take with your last pick, hope for the best. And if he comes out there through his first three starts of the year and it's spring training all over again with a ton of walks, you just cut him. Like. You're not going to miss much. So, yeah. what is Oakland going off the board for for win totals? By the way, if we looked at this recently, uh, I'm looking at it now. Them. They're at 59 and a half. I was going to say it's got to be close to. It's in the low, low 60s. I would say it's 59 and a half, and this is on Vegas Insider. I'm not sure uh, when exactly. Um. The last time these were updated, nor do I know the book that it's from. But currently, okay, so currently they have, hold on, I'm checking the, the list here for the athletics. It looks like current lines across the book on like FanDuel and DK and whatnot are 59 and a half. Yeah. I might take the under. They're going to be bad. They're going to be atrocious. But Fujinami will be fun to watch pitch. Heck yes. All right. He'll be fun. Draft him late. Hope for the best. It's it's a it's a true dart throw. If, if there's if there's ever he is the epitome of a dart throw, because that's ex, that's exactly what he is going to be. Um if you've seen the player capsules on the site, a lot of us worked through those. I had the NL Central. That was one of mine. At the time, I was very confident, and I may have to admit I was maybe overconfident that Nolan Gorman was going to win the second base or DH job. I figured he's going to get one of them. Second base, he may not be the starter there. Just no, because, I'm betting you that's Brendan Donovan. Well, because Brendan Donovan has turned into Aaron Judge. It's unbelievable. That guy hits everywhere, and he plays like 14 positions. I know. So he's he, he's seen his ADP jump, but Juan Yepes has not been very good. Sure, Nolan Gorman has struck out 15 times in 38 at bats. You don't like to see that, but he does have a 988 OPS. So the results have been there. He's got to cut back the strikeouts because that was the issue last year. But we have to think that he's the leader in the clubhouse for the DH spot for the Cardinals, which is, last time I checked, a pretty darn good lineup. Is he, though, or is Jordan Walker making a late case? Well, I'm under the assumption. Walker's, I figured he's going to get one of the one of the outfield gigs. Yeah, but I don't know who you take out of that outfield. Like well, Lars Dubar is staying. Yeah, he ain't going anywhere. It would have He's to be one of the three because defensively you need that guy in the outfield. He's been spectacular there, and the bat hasn't exactly been terrible. Tyler O'Neill's got to stay because of what he brings in power and speed, right? As long as he can stay healthy. Yes, Dylan Carlson's the only question mark because the bat's not not as good. But I think you give him some more some more run my thought was stick walker take carlson out walker goes to the outfield gorman dhs i think gorman's a bench guy right now okay 
Now here, okay, so here's the other, I guess, the other way to look at it. Gorman is only going off a couple picks before Fujinami. Are you okay with a late round dart throw on Gorman in the fact that they do roll him out as a DH? Because we know the power's legit. He just has to put the bat on the ball more often. Yeah, if he can compel himself to not swing at every pitch thrown like he's some noob playing MLB the show, then yeah, the power's unreal. Like he can launch these things into space. Um, and we saw that it, it in the minors when he went on that ridiculous run last year. Um, but the problem is he's not making enough contact, and it's not like they're necessarily hurting for lefties in that lineup, right? You've got Edmund, who's a switch hitter. you got Dylan Carlson's a switch hitter. you got Brendan Donovan's a lefty. you got Lars Newbar as a lefty. So you've got two lefties plus two switch hitters who could be – who are probably going to hit lefty more often than not against righties, right? So you've got theoretically four lefties in that lineup to begin with. So it's not like they're hurting for lefties and that gives them an advantage. Mm -hmm. What they need from them is contact. So right now I think they give Jordan Walker a shot at DH. What about, yeah. What about though, if they platoon it? Because when you look at Gorman, I mean, last year he'd hit a 201 ISO against righties versus a 105 against lefties. When you look at Carlson, he was better against lefties, hit 317 against lefties. Do you think they try to do something like that, or do you think they're going to open the air, see if Carlson can figure it out, and then – okay, let me say this. I guess we're operating with the assumption that Walker's breaking camp with the team, right? I'm pretty sure he is. Okay, I that's what I'm – Why? Yeah. I don't see so, – like, the only reason to do it is to, like, control his contract, but at this point – it's not really service time. It's related to where you finish in the in the voting, like for the awards at this point, right? Like, so even if Jordan Walker comes up halfway through the year and mashes and wins Rookie of the Year, then you like it changes the conversation. So I'm of the belief that Jordan Walker is going to break camp with the team. Could um, it be? Could it be okay for Walker if he? Plays now, the outfield the other, against lefties? Here's the other interesting question. If okay. Nolan Arenado actually has a broken hand, then Jordan Walker is absolutely breaking camp and playing third base. Was that a pun intended? No, actually. I didn't even realize I did it until you pointed it out. Um, <laughs> so. Okay, so let's say, so if Arenado's out, then what Walker plays third, Gorman's DHing, and Dylan Carlson's in right field. And Donovan's still at second. Yes. Okay. Brendan so, Donovan's not going anywhere. He's playing right. second base. Right. So the only the only tweak to that would be if Brendan Donovan actually plays third if Arenado's out, and then you put Gorman at second. Walker DHs. And, and then Walker DHs, and you still have Dylan Carlson in right field. Do you I mean so I guess what I what I was thinking too is first coming up, he's going to make his major league de- regular season debut and stuff. There could be a lot going on. Is there any benefit to switching him between outfield and DH, or could that cause more havoc? Because I guess if you look at the splits, let Carlson Carlson play against lefties, and then Walker can DH, and then when a righty pitches, stick Walker in the outfield, get Gorman in at DH, take Carlson out, just playing the splits. I just don't know if it's better to yank around a guy like that if. DH outfield outfield DH 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 outfield. I guess you want his back. No, I think you want regardless. him settled at one spot. 
Um, At least in the in the beginning. Yeah, because if you're already platooning him, he's going to check out for three out of the five games of the week, right? Well, like, no, not Walker. Oh, okay. Walker basically against lefties. Walker DHs against righties. He plays the outfield. So Carlson sits. Carlson sits one. against righties. Gorman sits against lefties. I think they probably just want him at one probably spot. Like we've seen too many times when teams get cute with rookies and just go, oh, we'll just play him anywhere because they're good. And then you're like, well, it's four years later and this guy still hasn't adjusted yet because like he screwed him up. Like look at what the Phillies did with Alec Baum and Bryson Stott. Yeah. There's a re and Jonathan India to a degree for the Reds too took longer than he should have because they kept moving dudes around, right? Yeah. Like there's a reason why guys come up, play a position get used to it, take off, and do well. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Jordan Walker blasting Garrett Cole the other day for a homer pretty well sealed his shot at, uh, at breaking camp with the team. Yeah. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. A quick one here before I want to go on a rant about an NLS team, but um, you actually sent this to me right before we started. Uh, I guess – Pete Fairbanks is adding a splitter to his repertoire, although it looks more like a cut split, if there is such a thing. Um, he, it's 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 him and Jason Adam for saves. That's what it's going to be in the Tampa Bay bullpen. Right. They did pay Fairbanks a little bit. I mean, I guess I'm not going to sit here and go, well, he added a new pitch. He's the closer. I mean, I I do think he's the one to own, but I'm not. it's not because of this new cut split he added. It's just a new wrinkle. If anything, I think it helps him out, and over the long term should allow him to emerge as the guy if Tampa's going to go with the guy. So you think Fairbanks has the early edge right now in terms of the lion's share of the ninth inning work for Tampa Bay? Yeah, I mean, I think he always did coming into the season. I don't think it's a surprise that he's likely the closer. Um that being said, Tampa seems to work in like 14 dudes a year, um, whether they're healthy or not. And let's face it, they've had trouble keeping dudes healthy in Tampa. But, um, I mean, even if you just look at projections, it looks like Fairbanks has about um, two-thirds of the saves and Adam has about a third, which seems to make sense to me. Um, the new pitch does seem frightening, though. It has about 11 inches of drop compared to his fastball, yet he's only four miles an hour slower. And when we first watched it, your thought was like, oh, this is just a crappy slider. But it turns out it's a splitter with a little bit of cut motion, which could just be filthy. Like, And you said it was only, what, a couple miles an hour off his fastball? About four. So, the I mean, clip, that's basically the same. When the clip uh, – the so who tweeted who I'm trying to Lance uh Bristowski, I guess, tweeted it. Um and the clip shows the new splitter, I guess they're calling it, coming in about 93 miles and 92 to 93 miles an hour, and his fastball is about 96 to 97. So it's only four miles an hour slower than the fastball, but it's got eleven inches of break. Uh, vertical with a little bit of cut motion to it. So it's not necessarily the gap you want off your fastball, but 
the splitter is technically a fastball, so it's I guess it's acceptable to sit halfway between a changeup and a, and a fastball. Yeah, and it's just, like I said, I'm not saying that he's the closer just because he's added a split change. Right. But, but I'm not not saying that I don't think this is going to help him extend the, the leash that he's going to have, I do believe, as the ninth inning guy. Correct. I mean, he already threw a slider. Like, he was mostly fastball last year anyway. And about, you know, 97 to 98 miles an hour. And then his slider, he threw it like 38% of the time at about 86 miles an hour. So it's just a it's just a third pitch to give him a little bit more wiggle room if something's not working on a given day. Yep, absolutely. So I'm gonna end with that. This is gonna be the last thing that we have time for here, but I gotta I got I gotta do it. <sighs> I wish I could get this stuff bleeped out because it would make it sound really good. But I mean, what is Colorado doing? I mean, I I mean just no idea. What are what are they doing? There is talent there. They hate their prospects. There's yeah. reports coming out this spring that maybe we'll rest some of our good guys at home. That's stupid because you're going to have to score runs because your also, pitching your isn't fans great. Pay tickets to see the guys. Why are you resting them at home? Exactly, and I mean that's where they want to see them. Like I'm drafting Chris Bryant because I want him to hit at cores. I'm not drafting Chris Bryant because I want him to rest at home and play those games on the road. And now like, I understand. I don't even know if I understand. I I, I can get behind the Jerickson Profar signing. He's going to be too expensive now in fantasy because he's going to get the cores bump and the leadoff bump. So that's a, that's a kiss of death for me getting him at any decent value. Chris Bryant, the 47-year-old Charlie Backman, CJ Crone, McMahon, Daza. We're going to stick Moustakis at third because you, I can't say, it was Elahuris Montero? Yes. Yeah, I mean, why not just play him? Like, what What are they going to do now? Are they going to go sign some shortstop so that they don't have to play Ezekiel Tovar? Are they just going to keep blocking anybody with a pulse? Like, this is how bad teams stay bad. Like, this, this lineup, Moustakis, was good years ago, okay? That ship has sailed. Profar is fine. I get it. Blackman was good years ago. Like, I mean, the rich, or I guess the poor stay poor in this case, because they're they're just blocking the the future of, of this team. So, like, what are they what are they doing? Can you make any sense out of this, to be honest? Other than they are cementing their legacy as the worst run organization in all of sports. Aside from maybe the Phoenix Coyotes who don't like to pay bills and got kicked out of their arena. Like that's basically the only team in sport they're better than, and they got evicted. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know. They gave away, they literally gave away Nolan Arenado, mm-hmm. right? Austin Gomber's been freaking terrible for them. I mean, just like any pitcher in Coors, he was never going to succeed. But he's a soft tossing lefty in Coors is never going to work. Y'all should have figured that shit out. Um, Eloise Montero has never gotten a chance to prove what he can and can't do. He's 24 years old. Let the dude play, man. Like that's the that's the guy you got for your gold glove Hall of Fame third baseman, and you're not playing him because you'd rather play a wheelchair bound Mike Mustakis. Yep. Right? Like and Jerickson Provor, okay, you're going to stick him in left field. I can't say that that's not that that wasn't an area of need. Like, who else are you going to play there right For now? Sure. What? For sure. I That one I can get behind. I mean, because you, you can sell me on it. 
My only doubt, my only concern though, is that now you're moving Chris Bryant to right field, which is arguably a spot where you get injured more than left field. And Chris Bryant already has a bad back and bad knees and oh, bad well, everything else. Well, remember, he's resting at home though. He'll have time to rest. Right. So, like, it's just like, okay, on its surface, if you're this lineup seems like it was put together by a 12 year old remembering big names from 10 years ago. Or it seems like we're playing MLB The Show and we're sorting by overall. Yeah, like Jerks and Profar leading off. Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, CJ Crone, Ryan McMahon, Jonathan Daza, Moustakis, Elias Diaz, a catcher is a decent bat at catcher, yeah, but whatever, bad. it's catcher. Ezekiel Tovar I'm actually excited about because I think he could be a very good young shortstop for them. But, like, this also comes on the heels of them playing 14 different dudes at second base over the last three years, and they get bailed out because Brendan Rodgers is injured, right? Randall Grichuk is injured. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have made some of these moves. But, like, it's so bad that Garrett Hampson had to leave because he wasn't getting any playing time. So you had a good, young, speedy middle infielder who you never played. And it's just – I. And McMahon got the second base job, but I think he's only there because he's a lefty and they needed another lefty in the in the batting order. I don't know. Like, we'll see what happens when Brendan Rodgers comes back from that shoulder. If. If. Because, I mean, it is a torn labrum, so it's not great. But, like, and what happens when when Grichuk comes back? Where, where are you going in the outfield? Well, I mean, there's they'll probably just rotate. Where is Profar going? I'm 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 under the assumption that just I mean we can't rule anything out in Colorado. They're just going to play musical chairs in the outfield That's unless like, they hey. take Daza out because he's the younger dude. Well, Grichuk Grichuk is substantially better against lefties than righties, right? Yes, he's a lefty killer. So maybe they rotate that somehow or do something like that, or they play musical chairs and they go, "Hey, three game series, Chris Bryant, you're getting it's or it's a four game series. You're going to get one in left, one in center, one in right, and then you'll get the fourth game off. And but don't forget, you only sit at home. Yeah, you're going to play like, all the road in games. A sport where you're crucified for being over the age of thirty. Their starting lineup: Profar is thirty, Chris Bryant's thirty one and a half, Blackman's almost thirty seven, CJ Crone is thirty three, Mustakis is thirty four and a half, Diaz is thirty two. And by the way, if Grichuk hadn't gotten injured, he's 31 and a half. Like, Ezekiel Tovar is 21 and a half years old. The next closest guy in age to him is McMahon at 28 years old. When you have a team that's this old, typically it's, you know, it's, it's a team that's been good for a little bit. They're riding out the starting lineup as long as they can, and the end is near. They're an old team that stinks. Like, they added Bryant to this roster. They added Profar to the roster. The, Charlie Blackman's been there for, like, 15 years. C.J. Crone's been there for a couple of years already, but, like, he was over 30 when they signed him. Moustakis, they just added, and he's, like, literally I could play a better third base in the majors at this point than Moustakis. Like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense and by the way their closer is the guy that knocked out jose altuve for like 10 weeks who's also old who's also yeah like 37 it's i have no clue what they're doing i that don't know what is, they're doing that team's a travesty they're they're 
the ownership is atrocious. The GM has no clue what he's doing. Their scouting department doesn't seem to be like their scouting department seems to be good enough to get decent dudes in their farm system, but then they're not developing. Like Michael Toglia at first base has been one of their top prospects for I'm not kidding you, like a while. He was drafted four years ago in the first round, and he's still in the minor leagues. Like they they're not advancing their guys. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense what they're doing. Nope, it does not. But that's my rant. I think that's I think that's what I'm gonna start doing. I think we'll put at the end of every episode. It's gonna be an open door, a couple minutes just for a rant, just to. Just, just to complain about something, because we all need to complain. It's what we do yep. best. That's what we do best. I'm, I'll, I'll come up with a catchy name for it, get me a little jingle and everything, and then I can just go to town with a rant about something. Um, but we'll see how that goes. But that'll put a bow on this episode. We're getting ever so close to the season. Uh, as always, make sure you keep listening to the podcast. Get your copy of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. Need to get your hands on that. Also, if you aren't already, or you, I guess you could be, uh, you get premium Discord access. You get, I guess, join today, go all pro. So there's tweets about that. I've retweeted it. It's at the at Fancy Alarm account. Do you have any info on that, Matt? Out of uh, curiosity. Nope. I'm right there with you. Just like, you know, you sign up and. Yep. It says access to all DFS content. Helping people for like the last week and a half. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess I just should have said this. Code MLB50, 50% off the first six months. And then you get premium Discord access. You get to talk to us. Questions during the live draft. Uh, we were talking with someone last night through the teen rounds of their draft. Any keeper questions, any baseball questions. Hang out with us in the Discord. It's always a good time. And we'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Yeah, one last thing. If you're going to ask questions, it's perfectly fine. We love uh, answering them. But give us all the pertinent details. Please. Like, if you're in a points league and you're asking me to decide between a guy who hits a lot of homers and a guy who hits a lot of steals, I need to know the scoring difference between homers and yep. steals. Because if, if steals is twice as many as homers, but the guy steals... Like, if it's a difference between Jose Ramirez and Aaron Judge, but steals are worth twice as much as a homer, you got to go Jose Ramirez. But on the surface, you might take Aaron Judge because he's got a boatload of homers and a decent amount of steals, right? So... Give us all of the pertinent information, please. League size, what type it is, whatever. If there's weird categories, mm -hmm. let us know. Uh, points, whichever ones make the difference. Um, it, it just helps us answer your question better and more informed without having to go back and ask like six different mm -hmm. questions. And then, you know, you get an answer quicker and more informed. Yep. And there's no such thing as oversharing. Like I would rather, right. I would rather you tell me a bunch of stuff that I don't need to know versus me having to ask just because, you know, we want to get you an answer in a reasonable right. amount of time. And, you know, I want to answer your question and hopefully not be wrong. So the more info I have, the better. So and, and if you're asking us like, should you trade so-and-so give us who the rest of that position is. Like if you're asking me, should you trade Garrett Cole? Well, I need to know the rest of your starters. Cause if you also have like, Brandon Woodruff or Shane Bieber or DeGrom, then it's more palatable to trade Cole. But if you have Cole, but your next guy is like Shintaro, 
probably a no, but we need to know that information. And if you're asking us to who to pick up, give us you don't have to list everybody because I don't need to know all thousand people that are on the waivers, right? But there have been several questions where somebody goes, Well, should I pick up this guy or this guy? And I say that guy, and they say, Well, does it change if these five dudes are available? Well, why wouldn't they in the, the first one? So just give us all of the information. If you don't care about the extra guys that are there, fine, don't put them. But if I give you an answer and then you come back with, well, does this change? Well, do you want those guys or not? Like, <laughs> if you don't want them, then no, it doesn't change my answer. If you want them, then maybe. We'll see. Yep. Yep. I think you, I think you're absolutely right. And again, we'd like, we want to help. Definitely happy to help. I like to know the context. That's why you'll see um, if, if there's not info, I'm asking multiple questions back. Like I'm, Correct. Listen, I work in customer support. I work in customer support full time, so I understand. I'm not afraid to ask questions to make sure I know what exactly you're talking about. But I've, make I've it easy. Done, I've done customer service too, and that's key. We we need as much information to make an educated decision and answer as possible. Yep. So throw it in there. We'll be in the Discord. Be happy to answer any questions. Uh, I mean, you can tag me directly if you want. That way, I get the notification. I'm pretty. Well, I'm a millennial, so my phone's always around. Let's just be right. honest. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. My phone it, never so. goes off. It's literally my alarm clock. Yep, that's right. So make sure you're also, on top of all that, give Matt a follow on Twitter, at The Salesman. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Colby R. Conway. And we will see you next week with the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.